You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to How to Citizen with Baratunde, a podcast that reimagines citizen as a verb, not a legal status. This season is all about tech and how it can bring us together instead of tearing us apart. We're bringing you the people using technology for so much more than revenue and user growth. They're using it to help us citizen. Can you take me to the scene of the march itself? Exterior, daytime, American capital. A group of young people are standing, have the stage set up with a big banner and a bunch of signs, flags, and all sorts of things, banners, everything. The spirit and the power, and I feel this energy, and it's incredible. So keep it up. Okay. 
rallying for the climate and getting ready for the march. Call your representatives, tell them that this is a priority for you. And it just absolutely starts pouring, just torrential downpour. It was raining so hard. Like, I'm not talking like, oh, like it drizzled. I'm talking torrential downpour. Your phone vibrates saying, flash flood alert, not safe to be outside. And I remember crying and being really upset throughout the whole thing of that just like, oh no, it's not like a sunny, beautiful day like I wanted it to be. Why did it have to rain? We worked so hard for this day for a whole year and everything like that. A lot of the water protectors from Standing Rock were there that day. They, they came all the way from different reservations to, to come be at the march. And Sebi Medina Tayak, who is an indigenous climate activist, kept emphasizing like water is life. There's nothing inherently wrong with it raining. Soaked like wet rats, just dripping. Like we had all just been through a very unforgiving shower and the paint from some of our um, signs was like just, it dripped. Like it literally bled into the canvas of one of our banners, but we still marched, we still rallied. One of the rally leaders yelled out, the rain brings out the real ones. And so it was just a bunch of like the real ones just in it together, finishing this march with rain ponchos trying to stay warm. And it was just this emotional sense of solidarity and family. The pictures from that day is just us like crusading against the storm. And you can see them just look up Zero Hour Youth Climate March 2018. The next day in the New York Times, we had a full spread in the Sunday Times about the work that we were doing. And we still made an impact, like we were making a difference. I like to think that Mother Earth was also weeping out of appreciation, you know, for you taking a stand. So maybe you think about it that way as well. She weeped in a temperature that was a little colder than preferred. <laughs> if I, I appreciate it and I, I love her sentiment, but if the next time she weeps out of appreciation for an action that I do outdoors, if it could not make me shiver, that would be amazing. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put in a word, you put in a word. I'm grateful for her, but I would have just, I was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Margolin is a 19-year-old global leader in the fight against climate change. She co-founded Zero Hour, a youth-led movement of activists who are organizing grassroots efforts for environmental issues. Jamie wears a ton of hats as an organizer, activist, author, and fellow podcaster. The future of the planet is tied to Jamie's future. She and so many young people like herself are demanding action from those who currently hold power. Her 2020 book, Youth to Power, gives people of all ages a guidebook to starting a movement. In that book, Jamie details how to organize, fundraise, and communicate with people across the globe effectively. I care a lot about the climate crisis because I like having a livable planet, and I understand how urgent it is. I'd like to believe that tech can help us, but I just don't know. So when it comes to climate change, is technology helping or making the situation worse? I wanted to hear from someone on the ground fighting for the planet, fighting for us. A person who was born in the age of smartphones and social media, who's got an intimate relationship with tech. In other words, Jamie. Is tech empowering a whole generation to get involved? If so, I wanted to find out how. 
What methods are they using? And what does it take to host the Youth Climate March at the age of 16? Good to see you. Hello. Hello. It is so good to see you too. Thank you for making the time. I know you're busy trying to help save our only home planet. So uh, just appreciation right off top for what you're oh, up thank to. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Can you say your full name, introduce yourself and what it is you do? Yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Jamie Sedai Margolin. I'm 19 years old. I'm a climate justice organizer, a film student at NYU. I'm a plaintiff on the Youth v. Gov lawsuit suing the state of Washington for continuing to worsen the climate crisis. Um, and that lawsuit is still going on. And I'm the co-founder of an international youth climate justice organization called Zero Hour, author of a book called Youth to Power, Your Voice and How to Use It, which is a guide to being a young organizer for any cause, for anyone who wants to get involved. I'm also a filmmaker and a screenwriter. I just released the pilot of a show that I wrote and directed and acted in called Art Majors about queer teens in college. And I am also the host of a podcast called Lavender You, which is a queer media analysis podcast. So yeah, um, and I'm a sophomore in college. Jamie, um, why aren't you doing more with your life? <laughs> <laughs> You busy. I know what busy is. So I say this as a busy person. You busy. It's good, good for you. I truly am. Good for you. We're in this project, this whole season, talking about tech and how it can help us be active citizens as opposed to undermine that. And I really wanted to talk to you about tech and activism. And it was very natural because I met you because of a tech platform. Exactly. Let's check our memories here. As I recall... You hit me up on a Twitter DM in the summer of 2018. Mm -hmm. And you were like, would you be willing to help out? We're doing like a climate youth march and we could use your help. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Cool. What do you need? And then I just got hit with like Zoom invites and text messages. I was on a conference call. People were assigning me things to do. And I remember specifically, you had a message that was, because I had access to media. I was going on cable news fairly frequently. And you're like, all these people talking about the climate crisis, they're not going to be subject to it the way my generation is. They need to have young people on talking about the climate crisis. And you said, so what I need you to do <laughs> is I need you to introduce me to <laughs> bookers at The Daily Show, at MSNBC, CNN. <laughs> and I jumped on a Zoom. I was on the Amtrak train going probably between New York and D.C. And I was on the Zoom with a, a Google spreadsheet open, agree, like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you to um, Ari Melber and I'll try with Brian Williams. And like, we had divided this list. There were like five of you and a couple of old people like me. <laughs> and it was so bold and so beautiful. Is that how you remember it? Um, okay. I'm a lot more of a subtle person now as a 19-year-old than the way I approach people as a 16-year-old, where I was like, do thing for me, please. Oh, yes. You've matured and aged and <laughs> The funny thing is, okay, this is going to sound terrible, but I actually don't even remember that conversation because I had, like, around that time, I did that to, like, 
I was just, it wasn't, I think it might've stood out to you. Cause you were like, what the hell is this? But like, oh I was just on so many calls and just trying to get so many people to like mobilize. And I was a ball of stress because I was like, this March has to change everything. I was just so in action mode yeah. that I was annoying like that on many a call. <laughs> I have had moments in my life where I'm in this fugue state and I don't remember stuff either. So I'm not really taking it personally, but it is amusing to me. And I will hold this over your head for the rest of our lives. Um, <laughs> but I, I also, it's complimentary. You know, you, in my view, were right to be fired up. You were right to demand that there are too many people on television talking about this thing that don't know what they're talking about. And the people closer to the problem should be closer to talking about these solutions. And I love, you know, what Zero Hour is about. We'll get into that. So I, I don't take it as like, oh, Jamie was that annoying kid. It dragged me into a Zoom. It was like, Jamie was this right person who was enlisting me to help a just cause. I, the fact that like most people, I guess, know me from what I've done three years ago and I'm such a vastly different person now is such a weird disconnect because I'm like, I was a child and I still am young, but there is a lot that happens and a lot of maturing and growing up that I've had to do just in my personal life and in life in general. Yeah, to be frank with you and sincere, I was 16 and I was very different when I was 19. And I'm certainly different at 44. Like we're all always changing. So I'm giving yeah. you a hard time, but it's not, it's not real. So you've done something else that, uh, that a lot of us haven't done. You testified before Congress back in 2019. People call my generation, Generation Z, as if we are the last generation, but we are not. We are refusing to be the last letter in the alphabet. What were you saying to these federal elected officials and what's your take on the federal government response to this crisis? Well, what I was saying to them is basically that it's very rare that they hear from like a young social justice leader. And it's a lot more often that they hear from fossil fuel lobbyists. And so I said, like, for the couple of minutes that you're listening to me right now, the vast majority of the time, the people in your ears are the ones who are, you know, funding our destruction and I talked about the Pacific Northwest where I'm from. I've talked about just all the frustration that I've been feeling and broke down a lot of the myths that they kept perpetuating. Like, we can't take action because China isn't. And just all of these ridiculous arguments that they were making. I told them about the science. I told them that we have no more time to act. That how can they look their children in the eye and tell them that they didn't do everything they could to save their lives and futures before it's too late? Yeah. Do you think anybody heard you? I know that a lot of people in the public heard me like it went semi-viral and a lot of people were inspired by it and were complimenting. But the thing is, like, I think the people that were amplifying it were people that already supported my message anyway. It was covered by Breitbart and like a lot of conservative media and it was on huh. Fox News. Another demand of the youth climate strike group is what they're calling, quote, comprehensive climate change education. They want it for children aged five to 14, five years old. Why so young? In other words, brainwashing is easier when they're little. And they were reporting on it satirically, but it was still coverage from people who were hearing my message anyway. It's funny because their headlines would be mocking, like, radical climate activist says climate change is a racist issue. And I'm like, correct. And they say it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> and you made Fox News say climate change. You made Fox News say exactly. climate change. Exactly. I made them say climate change. I made like, even if they're making fun of me, I did my part. When you set up this contrast of who our politicians listen to, overwhelmingly more time spent with fossil fuel executives than with the future generations inheriting this world, 
I wonder, a lot of us see climate and the climate crisis, we frame it in terms of fossil fuels and like industrial output, things since the industrial revolution. You have a broader view and a slightly different view of just how to define this crisis. How do you define it? Well, I define the climate crisis as the grand culmination of all of our societal evils come together in one big, bad, final video game boss. That's how I view it. You know? Wow. I view it as a combination of the consequences of colonialism, racism, patriarchy, capitalism on steroids, everything combined into this monster that is us causing our own destruction. I mean, we know literally where climate change came from, the Industrial Revolution and greenhouse gas emissions. If you go back further, how did we get to a society that was so inherently extractive? And you go back to colonialism and the triangle trade and the genocide of indigenous people and that way of life and existing with the earth as opposed to the European colonial way of existing and and extracting from the earth. And that way of moving through the world, of not moving through it in collaboration or in harmony, but moving through it in competition and in greed is the root of how we're in this. And so when people are like, stop talking about gender or stop talking about race, we need to focus on climate or this is about the environment, they're not understanding that we exist in the environment. So our issues are inherently intertwined. Like we are not separate from it. We're not separate from the oxygen we breathe because without it, we would be too dead to be having this conversation. You're very good, Jamie. You're very (laughs) good. When we come back, Jamie shares the tension of using tech and its attempts to use her. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you were first starting out, what did you think it would take to build a social movement around climate change? And what did it end up actually taking? It ended up taking what I thought it would take. I wasn't under the fantasy that I would post one thing on Instagram and it would magically blow up virally and then everything would come together and it would be perfect and I would save the world. Yay, we're done. That's not how activism works in the 21st century? No, no, it's not. What took me by surprise and what shouldn't have is the amount of people skills and collaboration that it would need. I am an only child, grew up without a pet. And so I've just been like kind of that nerdy girl who was, I mean, I had friends and things, but I was always kind of learned to entertain myself, do projects by myself. In my head, I was like, how hard is managing a massive group of very opinionated teenagers from all around the country going to be? It will be easy. (laughs) I was worried about the work, but I didn't think about management and team building. I hated group projects at school. This was the ultimate group project that I cared so deeply about. And at some point it got too big to be in my own control. And I didn't expect, you know, when your child outgrows you and it's no longer even about you. And that was fine. The goal was never for it to be about me. I'm glad when I hear like people recognize zero hour, but they have no idea who I am. And I'm like, that's perfect. But it was both thrilling and also scary because I had to let go because it was like, this was no longer my brainchild, my passion, like my dream. It now meant something to other people. And so I suddenly felt like I had transferred a dream onto others and now they were invested. And so I didn't expect the pressure of feeling responsible for not letting everyone down too. Yeah. Break down how you approach using technology to support your activism. Yeah. And there's a whole chapter in Youth to Power that's all about digital organizing and how to use social media to your advantage while not letting it use you. And the main things that I talked about were a consolidated message, things like, you know, coming up with a campaign hashtag and accounts and graphics and concise messaging links, making sure that things are very easy for people, you know, how to have a coordinated like press kit. Let's say you're promoting an action. When Zero Hour was promoting our youth climate marches, for example, in 2018, we had specific graphics that our designer, Nadia Nazar, made, as well as some hashtags and pre-written out captions that we would send to people to then post online to get more people to sign up and register for this event. And we were using toolkits, which is just like a Google Drive with all of the things compiled. Also like DMing people, as I did to you, maybe a little annoying but also like I knew what I was doing and I had a real vision so people listened to me, but maybe don't be like as annoying as I was when I was 16. 
When you think about the platforms you rely on, what do you use the most? What do you rely on the most? In terms of internal organizing, Google Drive is like the thing. Like that is like the holy grail of all things, whether I'm filmmaking or starting an organization or writing a book. So if you aren't in on the Google Drive magic, Google doesn't need me. I I don't need (laughs) to advertise for them. I don't know why I'm like, like, check out Google. They're a small business that could really use your help. No, what I mean is that's the biggest internal tool. Also Slack, people use Slack a lot. I'm using the word tool too much, but it is a great tool. Yeah. How does Zero Hour continue to use tech to organize and stay relevant? And what are y'all using to fundraise? Is there anything that feels novel about how you've deployed tech or communicated with each other or built coalitions because of, of what tech has enabled that maybe some other era might not have afforded you? Yeah. I mean, crowdfunding is huge. GoFundMe and Action Network and like crowdfunding sites or also like crowd petition gathering sites or like email gathering platforms, mailing servers, ways to disseminate information on a mass level and ways to crowdfund. It's something that people before us didn't have access to where I can just open up a website, put together a thing like, hey, help us raise money for this or come to this event, put in the location. That makes things a lot more accessible. Do you struggle at all with the tech that you depend on, given how so much of it isn't designed with our collective best interest in mind? Absolutely. Yeah. Social media gives me a lot of anxiety because it's very overstimulating to know every single bad event in the world happening at all times. That's why there's the term doom scrolling. And it's also discouraging, you know, when you see creators who you admire being censored or punished for simply posting queer content or other content that, you know, a lot of the algorithms consider violating guidelines or or whatever. I used to feel the pressure to weigh in about everything all the time. Like, oh, like I need to comment about all the things. And then I'm like, why do I need to comment on all of the things? Bo Burnham had a great special called Inside where he's like, can any one person in one place shut up about one thing for one hour, please? And I resonated with that because I'm like, there's just so much noise. Yeah. And then I'm like, this is fake and designed to make me get addicted. It has benefits and I will use it for those, but I'm going to create a healthy boundary so that the number of likes does not affect how I feel about it at all. It's just like, well, the algorithm didn't like that, whatever you know, instead of caring like it wants us to. And using social media as a tool and not letting it use me, because for a while, I was letting it use me. With organizing, the technical element of organizing being so much simpler with modern technology than it was 50 years ago, do you think that shifts your available use of energy away from the tool to the organizing itself? Yeah, definitely. I just feel like, I mean, the myth of technology is that it makes it so we don't have to work anymore and it does everything for us. My dad was telling me that back in the invention of like the computer and different things, like people were like, wow, it's going to be so revolutionary. Everyone's going to have so much more time in their day. I, I don't think that's true. I think we're more busy, stressed, burnt out and unrested than ever. So clearly access to digital organizing tools isn't freeing us up to like do other things. It's precarious tools to be using. So you will find yourself, I will do this still where I'm like, okay, I need to DM someone about this event or something like that. Something business related. I go into my Instagram. Okay. I need to send a message. I see something, something pops up. 
two hours later, I'm like, what, how am I here? And what was I supposed to do? So I don't know how time-saving it is. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a shift. Someone listening to this heard what you said about how we should consider the climate crisis. They're moved. They're motivated. What do you want them to do? Yeah, I think tech can help in that. Like social media, you know, it has its downsides just like everything. And, you know, people use and abuse it just like they they do with any other tool that gets turned into a weapon when in the wrong hands or leveraged incorrectly. It's just like anything. It's just like a knife can be something violent or it can be used to cut, you know, some carrots for a really great soup. (laughs) Yes. And so for those of you who want to use it as a useful tool, then I really encourage you to find organizations in your area. You have like $10, $5 a month to spare. Find a local grassroots organization online and sign up to help support them. For a grassroots organization, having that reliable income can be really helpful. Use social media for good. Curate your feed to be following organizations like Zero Hour or the International Indigenous Youth Council or... Um, Mujeres Amazonicas, or a bunch of other, like, great accounts to follow. Do you have climate anxiety? Are you feeling hopeless? If so, stick around. I promise we've got some uplift and wisdom from Jamie on the other side. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We are used to conceiving of, you know, I read the IPCC's latest, you know, report. It's overwhelming. It's it's unequivocal. It was a word that comes across a few times there. And I'm part of a generation, uh, and certainly those before me, that can be pretty cynical. Yet when I feel the energy of youth climate activists and climate justice folk, there's optimism there. Yeah. Where is that optimism? coming from? And what do you say to people who think, this is just too big. We've proven unworthy this far. Why would we change now? I mean, first of all, let's not pretend like young people are all like, yay, we're so enthusiastic and optimistic. There is a huge levels of climate anxiety. And honestly, at this point, I'd call it climate depression because anxiety implies fearing for something in the future that hasn't happened yet versus depression is the sadness of the, and the grief of the environmental destruction that is already happening, and that is so overwhelming. And so for me, it has been very difficult to pro. Like, I, I feel, I know this sounds cheesy and people might be like, shut up, Jamie, but sometimes I will get to a moment where I feel the pain of just like the earth and the people and everything that's suffering and, and it's overwhelming. And I feel genuinely heartbroken and like this deep grief. While I can like go on a podcast and talk about it and go to a protest and organize, there's only a certain level to which I can affect it because I am one little human out of billions on this planet. I feel that. I feel that. But I think, I guess the reason why we're still in this is because giving up is not an option. I just feel like it's the nature of, of nature to want to survive. Plants always tried to grow, you know, in weird places where they're not supposed to. You'll see, like, bugs and weird animals and places where you think, how is anything alive? It's life's instinct to keep having hope in itself. And so I think that's where it comes from at this point. Honestly, with this level of climate disaster and just sometimes I do feel like I'm at Rome right before the fall and I'm like, I'm learning how to integrate into Roman society when it's collapsing. This is really weird. I feel that way a lot, but then I'm also like, what other choice do I have? Yeah. I hear you, fellow Roman. So so let me ask you this. Do you think technology is helping or is it hindering the climate crisis? My main thing with technology and the climate crisis is that I feel like people act as if technology is somehow a replacement for social justice or climate justice or dismantling what has to go. And I think that there is a danger in putting too much 
faith in innovating our way out of this or we'll just tech our way out of this. We'll build the spaceship and we'll do this. Like, I feel like there also has to be some respect for the natural technologies. Technology is also the ancient technologies of our planet, of the ecosystems, of trees. I feel like those are technologies that we have to respect too. And when we get so caught up in trying to, I hate generalizing, but it's it's tech bros, you know, the tech bro type where they're just like, I know, I definitely know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh man, like the climate crisis, it's, it'll be totally fine. We'll like just geoengineer everything. And then I have this spaceship to go to Mars and we'll just like suck in all the carbon with my fancy new gadget. And it's like, that's not the real root solution that needs to happen. Technology does help us. Solar panels, digital organizing tools, everything. The technology we're using to have this conversation right now. Awesome. Yeah. But we can't act like it's a replacement for the real change that has to happen. How did you come to have this expanded definition of technology? I think it was over time. I mean, part of it is like my abuela, you know, she always would have herbal remedies and cures. And we would call her Doctora Lucila, even though she's not a doctor. She didn't even receive any sort of education. She grew up as a campesina in rural part of Colombia. But she had the ancient knowledge from her ancestors, from her mom, from her siblings of, you know, what foods and plants and things are good for you and help with certain things. And that is a wisdom, a sort of ancient knowledge. But I just kind of have always understood that there's more to like there's other things to respect other than just what men in lab coats say. Like, I'm a very scientific person. I'm not I don't I believe in science. But I just mean that this is also science, too. I also think of them as like technologies of harnessing like the power of ourselves and the planet. Like people talk about sometimes meditation as like an ancient technology. And like I've been trying to meditate regularly and tap into that. Yeah, me too. Beautiful. That's really, that's really helpful. It's a dope perspective. I think it, it adds balance to our interpretation of technology and of ourselves. And in a moment when we're out of balance, you know, see climate crisis, we could expand our definition of technology to to come back to balance by waiting a bit more respect for some of these ancient technologies you just talked about. Yeah. We call this show How to Citizen. We believe in interpreting this word not as a, a legal noun weapon, but rather as a verb, meaning we do stuff. When you think of the word citizen as a verb, what does it mean to you? I think that being a, a good citizen is is also about knowing when to question authority in the right way. We are here at the first ever Youth Climate March on D.C. in our nation's history. However, youth all around the world have been marching for a lot longer than this. Youth, especially youth of color, indigenous youth, have been raising their voices for climate justice longer than People often criticize activists and those taking action as being poor citizens, bad patriots, you hate your country, why are you a bad citizen? And I actually think it's very good citizenship to be protesting when something's wrong because that shows a level of love and care for the people around you and your state or country or wherever you're from. If you're taking time out of your busy existence to fight for something, I think that's excellent citizenship. Mm. Jamie, thank you so much for making time for us. 
Thank you so much for having me. And if people want to stay in touch with me after this, you can follow me online at Jamie Margolin on all social media platforms. And you can read my book, Youth to Power, at www.youthtopowerbook.com. Thank you. I know you have to fly to the other thing. Appreciate you. DM me anytime. (laughs) I had set myself up for an onslaught of tech-focused activism. I wanted this Gen Z radical to tell me what apps I should download, the up-and-coming programs to get you organized and mobilized, and how to use TikTok to build a revolution and save the whole dang world. But instead, she took me all the way back to ancient technology. Now, in the first half of this season, we've met people who are creating whole new tech frameworks. They're coding, hacking, operating with thousands if not millions of people. Jamie uses Google Drive, Instagram, and a little bit of Slack and a lot of DMs. Although her methods are less complex, it makes her endeavor more accessible. And it should be. Like today, a kid anywhere in the world can learn, connect, and join into this effort with Jamie tomorrow. Jamie's got this healthy humility about the role of technology when it comes to solving problems. Tech doesn't solve problems. People do. And this whole interview got me thinking about what technology even is. How far back does it go? Some of our oldest technologies are connected to the earth. Made of the earth. We dug our hands into the dirt, took the stone we found and sharpened it to make tools, struck them together to create fire, learned to respect flames, wild nature, manipulating that to make meals and create comfort and... Hold up, hold up. Okay, I know I'm getting a little spoken word with all this nature talk. I think what I need is some fresh air and some perspective. So let's take this outside. And hey, I know a good spot. Being outside has always been a really important part of my life. Maybe especially because I grew up in the city. But my mom would take us camping. Me and my little friends on on bike trips and hiking hiking trips. trips. I'm thinking about which path I'm going to take to get to my hilltop. I think I'll take a shorter one today just for time. All right, I'm approaching my favorite part of... My morning hike. For the mornings when I really want to push myself, I'm uh, about to climb a hill. And it's like, you know, I joke about people in LA calling everything a hike. This is a hike. I'm going off-road, scrambling up dirt. Let's climb this hill. All right, I have a little bit more to go. But uh, let's keep walking. We talk a lot in this show about investing in relationships. It's one of our pillars to citizens to invest in relationships with yourself, with others, and with the planet around you. And we've evolved that. If you've been listening to us from the very beginning, we didn't say nothing about the planet or the environment. We just said invest in relationships. But the planet part is critical. Very recently, summer 2021, I got to return to nature on purpose with a film crew to make this TV show. 
for PBS called America Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston. That's me. And what I got most out of the America Outdoors experience is I got to spend time with three different indigenous communities. The uh, Shoshone Bannock in Idaho, the salmon people. We were supposed to do a traditional salmon hunt and we couldn't because of climate change because the salmon have been cooked by their habitat, by their river. The ones that could make it were so weak that the tribe decided to leave them be. And they explained their relationship to the salmon. They said, we call him brother salmon. We say father tree. Right? These are all relations of ours. And they have taken care of us. They've provided for us for thousands of years. So it's our turn to take care of them. I think the Shoshone Bannock would consider the salmon citizens. I think that salmon citizened for them. And so they're doing it in return. There's a reciprocity involved. And I'm so grateful that Jamie is here to remind us of our youngest guest ever, by far, spitting some wisdom that, that we are a part of all of this and not apart from it. I'm really hoping the wind isn't ruining this little soliloquy. <laughs> and if it is, I'm going to roll with it because the wind is just trying to drive home my point. Because we are sharing this. Because I wouldn't be thinking this if I wasn't here feeling all these things. All right, this is the fun part. I'm going to take you down the hill with me. My descent, I usually kind of jog down because it helps me feel like a fit, active person. Next week, we take a step into a town corrupted by misinformation and disinformation. And I get to help sow the seeds of chaos. All right, play. Let's destroy society. Congratulations. You're hired. Welcome to your first day as our new chief disinformation officer. <laughs> Let's get started. Trust me, it's for the greater good. I can't wait for you to hear this next one. Now, you know I can't have some young activist on the show and not give you some actions to do. So, here's the actions. Jamie helped us conceive of technology in a different, more elemental way. So the first thing I want you to do is ask yourself some questions. When you think of technology, what do you think of? When you think of nature, what do you think of? And do you ever think of the same things in answer to both questions? Next, Let's get more informed about climate threats and opportunities. For better climate news, which we all need, visit CoveringClimateNow.org. It's really good. On social media, follow groups like This Is Zero Hour and Sunrise Movement. For something more local, search online for climate change or climate action. Then add the name of your neighborhood, your town, your region. Oh, and you gotta read this book. It's called All We Can Save by doctors Ayana Elizabeth Johnson and Katherine Wilkerson. It's an anthology of essays by women representing all the people we've ignored on climate. And it's filled with solutions and inspiration and realness. You can find this book in the show's online bookshop. Finally, let's do some kind of collective climate action. Those local online searches 
They could lead you to businesses or groups you can support. I recommend the Citizens Climate Lobby as a place to start. Now, talk about those types of things. Are you composting? Are you trying to understand where your energy comes from? Share that journey online. Let's use tech to make climate action mainstream. As usual, I shared a lot. So the good news is we wrote it all down for you. Just check out the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit us at howtocitizen.com. You can follow us on Instagram at howtocitizen. Please tag us in your post about your climate and tech journey and use the hashtag howtocitizen. How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast and Dustlight Productions. Our executive producers are me, Baratunde Thurston, Elizabeth Stewart, and Misha Youssef. Our senior producer is Tamika Adams. Our producer is Allie Kiltz, and our assistant producer is Sam Paulson. Stephanie Cohn is our editor, Valentino Rivera is our senior engineer, and Matthew Lai is our apprentice. Additional production help from Arwen Nix. Original music by Andrew Epen, with additional original music for season three from Andrew Clausen. This episode was produced and sound designed by Tamika Adams. Special thanks to Joelle Smith from iHeartRadio and Rachel Garcia at Dustlight Production. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 